This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Welcome into an episode of the Marsh and Matt Show, a Christmas Eve edition. Uh, we have had a long hiatus since our last episode. Uh, law school finals will do that, and uh, Matt also uh, raising a young daughter will do that. So uh, we are back now uh, for this Christmas Eve episode, and we are going to be uh, we are going to be churning out a lot of episodes here. I think as the uh, as we approach the playoffs, certainly into the playoffs, and we can now say the Vikings are officially a playoff team. We've known it. It's been a formality for quite some time, but with the greatest comeback in NFL history last week. Uh, we can now say after that victory over the Colts, the Vikings are officially NFC North champions for the first time since 2017, and they will have at least one home playoff game here um, as we approach January. And we're going to talk about the potential playoff opponents first in the wild card round, and then hopefully later on in the postseason. Um, we're going to recap the indie game, and then we will talk a little Minnesota Twins at the end because they had some news. Um, not great news, um, losing out on Carlos Correa, not once, but twice, and uh, also losing out on some of the other premier free agents. They did make a couple um, other more minor moves, and we'll we'll discuss that at the end of the show. But uh, first, Matt, how are you doing here on this Christmas Eve? I am excellent. I'm still basking in the uh, frustration and glory that was last week's uh, indie game, uh, hoping that it suggest that this is a team of destiny but uh, otherwise just trying to stay warm like we all are uh, during this uh, cold spell that we're uh, yeah. experiencing yeah it should be warmer next week and that's actually a good segue because the Vikings play the Packers next week at Lambeau if they were playing this week you'd be talking about negative 20 degree wind chills they're actually in Miami so the Packers are very happy about that but next week, when the Vikings go there, which could turn out to be a huge game for Green Bay, if they're able to beat Miami, the Packers are still very much in playoff contention, and they'd have to beat the Vikings next week. But apparently, forecast calling for 40 degrees in Green Bay next week. Um, so that that is a uh, that is a very good development there for for the Vikings going into Lambeau Field next week. Wanted to start, though, with with the indie game. And, I mean, just get, Matt, what was your reaction at halftime? Because I was at the game with my dad. And my reaction was, yeah, it, it's 33 to nothing. But this, this doesn't feel like the Dallas game felt. And I, I was at that game as well. Um it felt just a, like a lot of fluky things led to that 33 to nothing score. Um, not that I thought the Vikings were going to come back, but it didn't feel like the drubbing that the Dallas game was. There was the opening kickoff return by Indy for 50 yards. They have a really good special teams unit and it showed. Um, then they got the block punt. Speaking of more special teams, block punt touchdown. There was a weird pick six where Jalen Rager, what ran the wrong route for the first of two times that caused a couple Kirk interceptions. Um, Dalvin fumbled after a long 40-yard run. So weird stuff was happening. We were doing everything we could to give the game away to Indy, and uh, they, they ended up going up 33-0 at the half. And then a, a defensive touchdown was also taken off the board, the first of two possible Chandon Sullivan touchdowns taken off the board. 
um, in that first half, and it just nothing went right for the Vikings. So what was your reaction going into halftime? Sorry, I couldn't get myself off uh, mute there for a second. No worries. Uh, you know, it was, it, my initial thinking was, this is the typical Vikings. We, you know, they found a way to win all these one-score games. And then, you know, it looks like the culture has changed. But then, you know, they're 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 going to have a stinker. Like, you know, they, they, they just, they always seem to have that team where you're like, this is the one that, you know, they're, you know, they're eventually going to lose to a team that they shouldn't. And even though it was a fluky start, I, you know, I chalked it up to the, oh, here's the stinker we've been waiting for. Like, it's one thing to, like, play poorly, you know, against Philly and the Cowboys. You know, that's fine. They're both good teams. You know, a little concerning heading into the playoffs. You know, division games on the road are always tough. So, losing at Detroit in a close one, not necessarily surprising, obviously a hot team. So I, I, I just, I was less optimistic than you. Yes. I knew it was, it was fluky and that everything that could go wrong seemed to be going wrong, but I, I chalked it up to the, this is the Vikings doing what the Vikings do, you know, in a tough league, which is lose a game uh, that they're not supposed to against a bad team uh, with a crazy coaching situation uh just at, at home late in the season chance to you know, clinch the division it was sort of a here we go we're gonna this is gonna be more of a headache going forward but I'm pleasantly obviously surprised that this team didn't give up I mean it showed that this no lead is safe against this team because they know they can win they believe in each other they found you know watching some of the clips after the players, they, they have the right mindset in terms of, you know, no, we can score. Uh, you know, this is just got to keep your head in the game. They didn't, you know, just, I, I think under the previous regime, they would have just all sort of hung their heads and, you know, it, it would have just, it, the game would have been over. Um, and so this gives you faith that in the playoffs, combined with their ability to score in the, you know, fourth quarter and come up big on defense in these one score games, it, it, it shows that, they they could win against anyone if if they you know they could come back against anyone and oh my god if they could just put four quarters together this is a really good team even with all the holes you know that still exists on the defense or or struggles here or there that they have i i would put this offense when clicking and playing to their full potential up against anyone and think that they could beat anyone Will they do that? They've yet to do that. But I do think that this game showed a lot uh, on that front. Yeah, and here, here's what's remarkable. They lose the take, they're minus two in the take give in that game. They give up a pick six and a defensive touchdown. And have two defensive touchdowns for them taken off the board. Both BS calls against Chandon Sullivan. The first one, Michael Pittman Jr. was still clearly fighting for extra yardage. They blow the whistle dead, which they're taught not to do in a in a, a in, in a close situation. And Brian Asamoah comes in and lays a ferocious hit on Pittman, and then Chandon Sullivan strips the ball and goes in for what looked like it was going to be a touchdown. That's nullified. And then later, 
there's a fumble that they called a fumble, but they said Chandon Sullivan was down, never even close to down. And he takes it in what would have been the second touchdown. So Chandon's feeling good about himself, but uh, certainly not feeling uh, any Christmas cheer for the officials. And then he was fined for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty this week. Uh, you think maybe the officials should uh, should pick up the tab there. But um, one, one more thing about this this just broad picture of this game. When did you think they might or would win the game? Because I'll tell you, for me, you know, they come they come out. There was no chance I was leaving that game. You know, halftime's too early. Um, and for the people that did, sorry, you missed a historic, a historic comeback. But, you know, 33-0, they got the ball to start the second half. And you think they got to score here to have any chance. Well, they go three and out. They didn't score any points until midway through the third. They got a long play over the middle to KJ when Kirk found him wide open and then KJ ends up scoring a touchdown, a short, a shorter touchdown on a dart by Kirk and Kirk. We'll talk about him in a minute. He is feeling it right now. Um, but I didn't think they were going to win or had a chance until I, I told it to my dad. He was sitting right next to me. I said, if they can, they were down four touchdowns near the end of the third, plus the two point conversion. Um, you knew the whole time they would need that. Um, but I thought if they could cut it to three touchdowns by the fourth quarter, they had a chance, especially with how putrid Indy's offense had been up until last game. And really, in the second half, they could barely get a first down. I mean, they could not sustain any drives, couldn't score any points. They scored three points the entire second half in overtime. So I thought once they cut it to three touchdowns entering the fourth quarter, they scored there right at the end of the third on a C.J. Uh, plunge from a yard out. And uh, once they did that, I thought, you know what? We got a shot. And once you cut it to two possessions in the NFL, I mean, I've been at games where the Vikings are up two possessions. That doesn't feel like a secure lead because team scores and then it's boom, it's a one possession game. And so once they got it to two possessions on the Thielen touchdown, um, you really thought, okay, this, this thing might happen. And it, it got to two touchdowns with over 10 minutes to go. And then it was game on. And, uh, and, and from there, I mean, not everything went right. I mean, you had Jalen Rager stop his route it, inexplicably. I just don't think Jalen Rager can be trusted right now. He can't be on the field. He caused two interceptions, probably almost cost him the game with that second one. You see the, if you watch the uh, coaches tape of the second one, Kevin O'Connell stalking down the sidelines, yelling at Rager for cutting off his route. I mean, that's an effort thing. Um, and Kirk threw it to where he thought he would be. And, and Kirk, you could see was, was flummoxed as well. I mean, it was, you, you just can't have that, but you had that pick and you thought, okay, maybe that's the game. You had a fourth down and one when Indy tries not elects not to try a long field goal to seal the game. And instead they try to sneak the six, five Matt Ryan. That doesn't work. The Vikings defense holds strong, you know, and, uh, and everything just went, it, I mean, not everything went the Vikings way, as I said, but, but most things did late and, and, uh, they were able to to secure the comeback and, and credit Greg Joseph. Boy, did they need every single extra point. He misses any one of those extra points, they lose the game. And of course, the the kick with the with the greatest comeback in NFL history on the line, he nails from 40 yards and uh just another miraculous Vikings win. We thought the Bills game was I still put the Bills game ahead of this just because of the opponent and it was on the road and you have all that, but uh 
this was right up there too. I mean, just memorable game after memorable game. And this is uh, right up at the top of the list. When did you think they might win or would win? Honestly, it wasn't until they uh, tied it up that I thought. <laughs> yeah, I the Dalvin that. Cook. How about that? How about that Dalvin Cook screen pass? I mean, oh, yeah, I mean tenacity, was... the competitiveness, and then Ezra Cleveland almost running stride for stride with him down the field. Unbelievable effort by Cleveland and Derisaw on that play. It took so many guys to execute it, but it was it was mostly Dalvin. I mean, that was. Heart and soul type stuff right there. It's just you were in such a hole. The idea that you would actually be able to come back and complete it. I mean, everything that had gone wrong for you in the first half, you now needed everything to go wrong against, you know, or for Indy in the second half. And it essentially did. I mean, the idea that, you know, they get a first down or two here or there with with a veteran quarterback who, you know, should have arguably won a Super Bowl, won an MVP. The idea that they couldn't do that and that you could, um, you know, be just firing on all cylinders when you hadn't been for a quarter and a half. I mean, it just, I I wasn't, I was waiting for our hearts to be broken. So once they tied it, then I had a feeling they were going to win. But even, even, and they they had to get the two also. That it was, yeah. They had to get the two to Hawkinson. Great protection. Ed Ingram was singled with DeForest Buckner on that play. That may have been a, a, a missed assignment there, maybe by the backup center, Austin Schlotman, because I don't think they wanted Ed Ingram singled with one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League. But, hey, that was his biggest play of the year, and they kept Kirk clean. He went through multiple reads and then fired a laser to TJ Hawkinson. So, I, I mean, my yeah, one thing that you touched on, I mean, this game did answer the people have been saying, why aren't you getting Rager more involved? Why aren't you getting Rager more involved? Why aren't you getting Rager more involved? You know, and this showed the guy has some speed, you know, we maybe offer something in the punt return game. If he gets some open space, you know, using with end arounds, things like that, but his route running is problematic and it has been, it looks like while, he doesn't know the play. Which is, mean, why, which is why, it, yeah, that's why we saw that both of those interceptions were on him, and that's why they haven't involved him more. They, I don't know if they succumbed to the pressure or they just decided to do it, but clearly that one needs to be put away a little bit for a little I wanna bit. Know, I want to know. I want to know. Maybe we'll get the answer in this game today against, and we are recording this on Christmas Eve, but it will still be relevant afterwards if you want to listen to it. Um, the game today against the Giants. Will Jalen Naylor, the rookie from Michigan State, get a little run? He's been very good on special teams. His nickname coming into the, uh, coming out of Michigan State was Speedy, Speedy Naylor. So maybe he offers some of the similar speed. Be interested to see where his route running is at, where his grasp of the playbook is, because he's that next guy up. I mean, he's the next guy on the team, so... Uh, you're not putting Dan Chisena out there. Dan Chisena is more of a special teams guy and he's usually inactive, but, uh, and he's been on the practice squad most of the year, very fast, but he's not an NFL caliber wide receiver. So, you know, it shows that they're a little thin there after those top three and we'll get into KJ in a minute because KJ was sensational, but, but we should get get on the field. To your point, it, this showed we've known that wide receiver after JJ 
is questionable all season. Thielen is still a solid possession guy, always seems to come up big, but is not what he has been. You know, he's getting he's getting older. Uh, he still has a lot to contribute, but it and and we've been waiting, you know, we talked previously, when is KJ gonna step up? When is KJ gonna step up on a consistent basis? And I think even he said this was his first game where he got more than hundred yards receiving. So he was awesome in this game, which was a huge need, obviously, you know, because you know, Hawkinson's been a huge uh, improvement for them in getting another weapon. But a, a big fear now for this offense, if maybe they start to click here, is if one wide receiver goes down, they, you know, they've shown that you're going to quickly get diminished in terms of your weapons. And God forbid, obviously, if it's JJ, that, you know, that's, uh, that's catastrophic. But even if Thielen, given his recent injury history, um, you, know, had, you know, had something come up, it would really limit this offense because unless Naylor is this diamond in the rough that we haven't seen yet, or Rager learns the playbook, like it's very problematic. Rager, Rager learning the playbook at this stage in the season is unlikely. And and in fairness to him, he came on very late. I mean, I mean, he he came in very late in in training camp. wasn't here for the off season program. And and this is a tough offense to grasp. Um, so, but no excuse. If you're on the field, there is no excuse for cutting off your route like that. That is completely unacceptable. And and you saw Kevin O'Connell berate him, which he doesn't do in public very often to any of his players. So there's that. Secondly, um, to your point, exactly. We saw that you were exactly right because when Naylor was, or when uh, Rager was in the game, the reason he was in the game for that long bomb was because JJ was on the sideline. JJ was being checked for a concussion on the dirty ass hit by Stefan Gilmore that should have gotten him thrown out of the game. He had to come out of the game and you could see JJ popped up. He was fine, but because of these new rules, he had to leave the game and that's why he threw his helmet. He didn't even get a penalty for that because <laughs> I think the refs knew it messed up some other calls and uh, you know, they could see why J.J. was so upset. Crucial point in the game. Seems to be fine, but he has to come out for at least a play or two to get evaluated for that concussion. He would quickly come back in. But that's the reason Rager was even in the game for that play. So, yeah, I mean, to your point exactly, we'll see if Naylor gets a little more run here late in the season. But just a little bit, rounding it up on K.J. I mean, this guy does not complain is clutch as hell. I mean, we saw that starting last year. You you talk about a guy, his rookie year, he was in the best wide receiver draft in NFL history, along with JJ. They got, now the Vikings have three guys from that draft. Rager, who was drafted a pick in front of JJ. <laughs> Thank you, Philadelphia. Um, wouldn't it be great if Rager, like, came back to Philly in the NFC title game and scored, like, a walk-off touchdown? Anyway, um, <laughs> I just said I didn't want him on the field, but for that, maybe maybe an end around walk off winners. Well, I'll just correct. I'm fine with him on the field and he's selectively and using him. He's still a weapon. Not it's running, not running maybe, any routes though. <laughs> or or it has to, it has to be a very a very clear route like that they make clear right before he goes. The on first the field one, the, the the pick six That's was a true. clear route. It was like yeah. a five yard sit down in the zone, and he moved 
he moved to his right to allow the ball to go right to the defender and make Kirk look horrible. Could 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 Kevin O'Connell run out before the play and just spray paint an X on the field and say, right, right. "This is where I want you to end up on the field"? I mean, I don't know what else to do. But good, good Lord, uh, <laughs> he was making me mad last game. That was that was you don't see that very much out of an NFL receiver just cutting off the route like that on a deep ball. But um, anyway, I, I think yeah, KJ, he doesn't complain. I mean, he's had games where he's been wide open and Kirk's gone to Hawkinson or somebody else instead, does not complain, comes up clutch. He was in that wide receiver draft, like I said, no catches his first year. Didn't even see the field and was bad in the punt and kick return game when he did. Second year, last year, has over 700 yards, seven touchdowns. This year, you see the production. Oh, the production's not there, but there's only one ball, and Dalvin and JJ get it a lot. And and then he comes up 16 targets last week. 16. That equaled JJ. He had over 150 yards, a touchdown, and, and this guy just keeps getting better and better and better, and now they have to pay attention to him. After you put a game like that on tape, by the way, Indy's defense, another underrated part of this comeback, Indy's defense was top 10. And against the pass, top three. Top three against the pass. So kudos to KJ. What a game by him. First 100-yard game of his career, like you said earlier. And then we do have to give our boy Kirk some love as well. His last two games, the Detroit game, I know their secondary is not great. You look back at some of the throws he made in that game, Next level Super Bowl caliber throws, big time, big time plays, and then this game, oh, a cool 460 yards for Kirk Cousins, back to back 400 yard games. And we saw earlier in the year he's playing big when it matters, but a little inconsistent early. The numbers, you know, the yards per attempt were the lowest of his career. The completion percentage, that yards per attempt, getting higher and higher. As Hawkinson has integrated himself into the offense, the target depth, the average route depth for J.J. has increased. So that's been a big factor. But his comfort level in this offense is huge right now. And, and boy, he is lighting it up. If he plays like this in the postseason, Vikings are going to be a tough out. I'll just – I'll keep this rant to under 60 seconds. The criticism of Kirk has been stat padding not a leader, doesn't come up in the clutch, doesn't come up in prime time, uh, just uh, can't, can't win the games, uh, gets overpaid, you know, all, all of this stuff. And all he's done this year is win on the road against, you know, maybe the best team in the NFL in Buffalo. Lead the largest comeback in the history of the, the game. Go undefeated in one score games, repeatedly lead fourth quarter comebacks, uh, be cheered as a leader and great team player. This, you know, uh, compared from all everyone, from the coach on down to every, you know, all, you know, any starter. He is not getting paid more than most of these other quarterbacks, you know, in, in the league. So that's not even an argument anymore. 
if you were a QB wins guy, he checks the boxes. If you're a stats guy, you know, he, he's not aggressive enough. Now he's being, you know, a little bit more aggressive. It's always know, been like, BS. Like, it's, it, it's, I, I know, but literally the house of cards that of no, the I know, I know. that they've put out that has fallen. The only right. thing left is to go win a playoff game. And so I, I got a hot take. Oh, he's won a playoff game. I, I the know, only I thing know. left is a deep, a deep I, run and maybe a super. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, but here's, I, I got a hot take. I want the Vikings to have their number three seed because the idea of them having to go on the road in a potentially a second round game and beat San Francisco and then go on the road to Philly and beat Philly. I, I don't even care what you do in the Super Bowl at that point. You know, if, if you, if, yeah, you do. To me, well, I do care. <laughs> I, but, the, but the point is, is that there would be nothing sweeter icing on the cake to get to the end of this season. If, if Kirk had to go do all that and then somehow won the Super Bowl against a Bills or a Chiefs, I can't wait to be able to then say at the end of this year, he's a Hall of Famer and everyone needs to shut up because that, that's, <laughs> that would be the, the comment. Now, now it, it's still the Vikings and something's going to go wrong, but they, you know, so regardless, he doesn't have to do that. But it just feels like it would just be so satisfying after everything else in the House of Cards has fallen uh, for the Kirk haters out there. I agree with everything. I do agree with everything you said, with the exception of you're you're crazy for saying you want them to get the three seed. No, 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 no. I if, if we're gonna, it looks like if the Vikings are fortunate to get out of the first round, they're gonna play San Francisco in the second round. It's almost assured that they will be the two three matchup. But I want the Vikings in that two position. I want a rookie QB in Brock Purdy to have to come into this madhouse here at U S bank stadium, which would just, I can't even imagine. I wasn't at the Minneapolis miracle. So I don't know how loud a playoff game is last week against Indy was the loudest I've ever heard it, but I can't even imagine it'd be like a college stadium indoors. Um, but I want that rookie QB coming to our house uh, we already saw what a playoff game at San Francisco looks like. That wasn't good. Granted, I think we're a lot better. I, I think we are a lot better. But that San Francisco defense is no joke. And you give them a little extra head start with that noise in San Francisco. No, thank you. No, uh, I, I would like. And, I, and, I agree. And, by the way, then you have a chance to host the NFC title game as well. So if, if Philly were to drop, uh, lose. So no, no, no. Um well, you'd, you'd you'd host regardless of whether you were the yeah two or true, the three true, and, yeah. true but but, but I, I don't want so I, I want a yes, chance a, to go all the way at home boom boom I, boom I, I, so I don't disagree with you but I meant just from a Kirk perspective like the revenge of the at San sure. Francisco game you know like sure. because you know what's going to happen if they if they win a first game at home against you know any of these wild card teams and then they win at home against San Francisco starting Brock Purdy, and then they go on the road and they lose at Philly. You know, the, the haters are going to say, well, Kirk Cousins only won because he was playing a, you know, a, a if the, uh, battered yeah. 49ers game, team. No, and he no, got no. To play if, they beat, if they beat the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, I think San Francisco's won seven straight. They, they, I, they might have won 10 straight going into the postseason. I mean, I don't care Brock still, Purdy. I don't care. 
if if Sean Mannion gets signed and starts for San Francisco, you beat San Francisco in and and Kyle Shanahan has been very good in the postseason. You beat Debo, Christian McCaffrey. I don't care who the hell the quarterback is. Maybe the top defense in football. You beat them, no matter where it is. That's legit. That's legit. Uh, no. If if you're being, logical, I know I don't have to is. convince you, but yeah, no, no, I know. I know. If you're, you're being logical, it is. But yeah. if you're talking yeah. to the Kirk haters, they're going to say, "Oh, it's another Kirk stinker." So my you point can is, never, like, you can fine. never appease the Kirk haters completely. If he does win one Super Bowl, it'll be like, well, we're paying him. That's what we're paying him to do. He should have two or three by this point. It's like, uh, uh, do you realize the Vikings had done before? Like, I don't even want – we don't need to justify our love for Kirk. If he wins a Super Bowl, we'll just help erect the statue outside U.S. Bank Stadium. And, and it, actually, the Kirk haters should have to be the ones erecting the statue. Yeah, it – and he As will Paul Charchian said on Twitter Bowl. after that comeback victory, suck it, haters. And that was correct. That was correct. All right. So next, we do want to steal something from our friend Mike Wapshaw. I was listening to his podcast at the gym this week, and he did something very unique. We're going to copy part of it and then add to it. Um. He ranked the potential wild card opponents for the Vikings in terms of, and the Vikings are going to be one of the top three seeds, one, two, or three. One is very unlikely. Philly would have to go 0 and 3. We'd have to go 3 and 0. Unlikely, but Gardner Minshew starting. So we'll see. They play Dallas in the first of those three games in Dallas. Um, but the two or three, much more likely. If the Vikings win out, they've got the two. If they lose once, San Francisco then controls its fate for the two seed. And we just had that discussion. Matt somehow wants us to be the three seed. Anyway, <laughs> um, so but here are the likely opponents. Whether the Vikings are the two or three, they will have the first round home playoff game. The 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 potential opponents in no particular order are the Green Bay Packers. Yes, they're still alive. The Detroit Lions are even more alive. The Washington Commanders, although they're fading, the, and play San Francisco this week, the New York Giants could have a rematch against them. And the Seattle Seahawks, who are fading quickly. So of those five, Matt, who would you, how would you rank them in terms of who you most want the Vikings to play to who you least want the Vikings to play? Uh, most want to play, start with the commanders. Uh, just, mm-hmm. we've already beat them. I don't trust, you know, Taylor Heineke to, you know, really carry that team you know, against the Vikings. And if I'm Kirk, there is no chance in hell. I am letting Dan Snyder on his way out um, as owner come into my house after disrespecting me and letting me go in the playoffs. And I still have the haters against me in the playoff, you know, say I can't win the big, you know, win playoff games. There's zero chance I'm letting them beat me. So they're uh, the most, the team I'd most want to play. 
Uh, I, I think next I would probably go uh, Seattle. Uh, Gino has been playing really well this year. You've got an experienced coach in Pete Carroll. They still have some solid weapons. I, you know, we have a bad history with them in the playoffs, but, and in general, recent memory, I just think given how they're fading, I, I just think that, uh, I just don't know that they have it, how much gas they have left in the tank. I'd go Giants next. Um, it's still a Dan Jones quarterback operation. I think where it would gives them a slight edge um, or makes me less likely to want to play them. Uh, versus Seattle is uh, Saquon Barkley just is such a talented player that at any moment could um, really give you fits. Um, so, and then, then there's a gap there. Um, you know, I, I'd be fine with any of those three teams. I think I go Detroit next because Jared Goff is playing really well. Uh, this team is obviously hot. They just beat us. Uh, Dan Campbell doesn't always do it the right way, um, but I, I think that team is going to go out and and play well for him in the playoffs and is a dangerous team if they make it. Um, and the last team, I, I, I don't want to play Green Bay. I don't care that they've had a bad season. I don't care that they haven't had recent playoff success. I don't care that they're not as good a team as Detroit, certainly Detroit and maybe those other teams. Aaron Rodgers is still if he puts it together, the first or second or third best quarterback in the league. I'm not saying he's playing that right now. I'm not saying that he ever will play that again. But the reality, it's like, would I rather play Tom Brady in the playoffs or would I rather play any of those other quarterbacks in the playoffs, the exception of Aaron Rodgers? You still would rather play those other teams, even though, you know, Tampa Ooh. isn't as good a team this year. I don't know. I'd take Tampa Bay over playing I, Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I would take. Well, not, I agree with I, you. I'll I'll comment on Rodgers in a minute. But no, no, no. Tampa Bay is really struggling. If you get them, I, I know they're not. Take them still, instead of. You'd rather play Dallas than Tampa Bay in the postseason. Yeah. Really? Uh, well, Ugh. well, because here's here's why. Here's why. Their whole line is awful. It, awful. They're you're still even though he hasn't been playing well and he's got a lot going on. Would I rather face Tom Brady in the playoffs, or would I rather not? How many how many playoff wins and how many Super Bowl wins does Dak Prescott have? Yeah, I, uh, and, I, and to me, it, to me, it, it does not. If it, the rest of the team was close, I would say you're absolutely right. But the rest of the team's not close. I mean, you're talking. By the way, it's not even a foregone conclusion. Tampa Bay makes the playoffs. I agree. I know the Carolina Panthers are keeping the the Sam Darnold led Carolina Panthers in contention for the playoffs and a home playoff game by winning the NFC South. No one wants to win that division. The Saints are awful. The Falcons are like no one is good, including Tampa Bay. Carolina trounced them earlier in the year. Tampa Bay. There. Did you see them go to San Francisco a few weeks ago in a game they really needed to win? They got their asses kicked. I, Tampa Bay. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not worried about them in the postseason. I'm not. Am and, I and they're going to probably host Dallas in the first round. And Micah Parsons might get eight sacks. That old line is up. I'm not saying that either Green Bay or San Francisco, or excuse me, Green Bay or Tampa, are anywhere close to some of these teams. I agree. Green Bay is much saying, better than Tampa. 
right now. I'm just saying my view is if you ask me who I would rather match up against, I'd rather not match up against the all-time greatest quarterback or the multi-time MVP who has played your team more than any other quarterback that you could potentially face in the playoffs and therefore knows your tendencies has you know has Oh, I don't want to I don't want to play. I agree with you on the on almost all of those rankings on teams. I, I agree. The Packers would be my least uh, desired t- opponent in the wild. And, and by the way, the Vikings can't play Tampa Bay in the opening round. That's why they're not included. No, no you're right. Because I just, Tampa I threw Bay. Him in because of, no, no, no. But I threw I, him in because I, of Rogers Brady. Sorry, when you, you said know, that, but, I had to respond. Yeah, um, no, that's fine. But but they are they are not they are not a possible first round opponent and. As you can tell, I think they'll be bounced first round and we won't have to worry about them at all. But if we do, great, because that means they've beaten Dallas and knocked the team that beat us 40 to three out of the out of the postseason. That's fine with me. We'll we'll cross that bridge if it comes. I, I do agree with you because and Mike Wabshaw pointed this out on his podcast. If the Packers make the playoffs, that'll mean they've won four straight. So that'll mean they're feeling good about themselves. Christian Watson is quickly developing into a star. I hate to admit it, but he is. Uh, he's come a long way from that drop on the first play of the season when he dusted Patrick Peterson. And uh, and Patrick Peterson's been much better since then, too. But Watson dropped that, fell out of uh, trust with Rodgers for a while. But that trust has been rebuilt and rebuilt big time. He's turning into a big-time player. He scored like eight touchdowns in four weeks for a stretch. Rodgers, can you imagine how much he would want to come into U.S. Bank Stadium and dagger the Vikings season. He would love that. He lives for that. And he's been bad in the playoffs, but he's had to play in sub-zero temperatures outside. You put him in perfect conditions inside, no thank you. I don't want that. Lions, I agree with you. I think the Vikings would be able to handle them, but uh, that offense is churning right now. Their OC is going to get some head coaching offers. Ben Johnson, I think his name is. Uh, Very, very talented guy. And, and you're right, Goff feels at home. He's looking more like the number one pick than the bad version of Garrett, Jared Goff right now. And, and they've got a nice bevy of receivers. My USC guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, is a stud. Um, they've got two good running backs in Williams and, and Swift. Um, and, and the defense is playing better. Aiden Hutchinson is a monster at the defensive end spot. And he, he even made Brian O'Neill look bad, who's a really good tackle, of course, for the Vikings at right tackle. So, no, don't want anything to do with those teams. Agree with you on the Giants being the third. My most desired team, though, would be Seattle uh, because, mm-hmm. because their defense is awful. Not, their defense does not scare me at all, nor does Geno Smith in the postseason. Pete Carroll in the postseason does scare me a little bit. Um, love Pete Carroll, but, uh, you know, would uh, would not love seeing him in the postseason, but Seattle's just not playing well, and I think we could score 40 on them quite handily. Um, and I don't think Gino would do that well. The reason I would put them ahead of Washington as far as a team I want to see is because that Washington defensive front scares me. That might be the best front seven in the National Football League, especially with a fresh Chase Young coming back this week They kept on saying he's going to come back, he's going to come back. They thought he might be back for the Vikings game way earlier in the year. That hasn't happened, so maybe he's not fully right. But, boy, if he's half of the player he was before 
and he's fresh in the postseason and they already have a good front, that could ruin a game. And I agree with you on Heineke. So, but that could ruin a game. But to your your point, um, that front would bring back shades of the 49ers, you know, playoff game and just getting destroyed up front and what kind of hole. And Heineke's got some moxie to him. You want to talk about Tom Brady? He almost knocked Brady out of the postseason. The year they won, the year year Brady won the Super Bowl. Yeah, Yeah. but you go toe, if you're Heineke and you go toe to toe, no one gave him a chance in that game. So, and, and he, he's, he's a gunslinger. He's tough. I do. I, the Vikings made him look pretty bad in the first matchup. So I, I do think him the coming only in quarterback here, the Vikings defense has made look bad recently. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, week one. Recently. Yeah. And Matt Ryan didn't look too hot last week either, but he's not looked very good all year. Um, no. So, so there, there is that. Um and Teddy Bridgewater, but he had to come into the game. We'll give a pass to our friend Teddy. Um, final thing quickly on the Vikings. How would you rank the other three teams? The other three teams being, and we'll take Tampa Bay out of the equation here because, well, we'll take Tampa Bay out of the equation. The other three teams that the Vikings could probably see is if they advance in the postseason, Philly. They wouldn't see them until the NFC title game, most likely. No, they wouldn't. They're not going to see them until the NFC title game, if they're the two or three. Yeah. So, and that would be on the road, assuming Philly does hang on to that one seed. So, Philly, San Francisco, Dallas. Who do you most want to see of those, considering Dallas would be at home? San Francisco may or may not be at home, depending on that 2-3 thing. Philly would be on the road go well it to me it's easily dallas that you want to see um i i don't care that they crushed you already you know put aside even that it's at home this is a team that is not shown they can win in the playoffs yet yes they've got a a coach that has won a super bowl because of aaron Rodgers, but the guy was on the hot seat coming in and if he loses the first round uh, he's going to get fired no matter how good of a, a job he's done this year. Those are the expectations with Dallas. I still don't trust Dak Prescott. I, I think that there, there still is, you know, Trayvon Diggs is still, you know, waiting to get burned at any second, even though he's good at, you know, being a ball hawk and picking off the ball. He's still a liability in coverage. Yes, Micah Parsons is really good um, and they can bring pressure. But to me, I, I would take Dallas over either of those other two, and it's not even close. Um, San Francisco as a team scares me more. They are more of a complete team, with the exception of the Brock Purdy situation. What Uh, if it's at home? Would you rather play San Francisco at home or at Philly? I I would rather play San Francisco either way because of the Brock Purdy situation, regardless of whether it's on the road um, or at home. Yes, they're a more complete team. Um, yes, I trust their coach more. There is all of that. But it, I, I hate it, and the fans are awful, but going to Philly in a playoff game is the most intimidating of the environments. Uh, they've only yes. lost one game this year. 
they they cleaned our clocks even though i don't i you know i still think jalen hurts is still a work in progress i think that team is still a work in progress i put aside all of that but to me and the last thing i want to do is go to philly for a playoff game I, i'd rather play, play san yeah. francisco even though a more complete team than that i don't think san francisco is a more complete team than Phil. i think philly's philly's defense is almost up there with san francisco they can be run on a little bit bit more than san francisco but they apply pressure to the quarterback from all levels. Um, they're unpredictable. They're really good. Uh, offensively, they're much more dynamic than San Francisco. Much more. Jalen Hurts is the MVP. Um, yeah, San Francisco's got McCaff. Oh, Jalen Hurts is the MVP. Matt just made a face. You can't see that on this audio. But <laughs> Jalen Hurts is the MVP. I know Mahomes is Mahomes. But I, I Mahomes mean, when what Hurts has done Mahomes, this year is just un, unbelievable. Mahomes is going to win it. I I, I think that that I'm is definitely so sure. going to happen. But I think he is. But you could give it to I, him. I, at, it, he's like Michael Jordan. You could give it to him every year. But some years they give it to someone else who has a spectacular year. This will be one of them. Jalen Hurts will win the MVP. Regardless, he's one or two. Very much better than Brock Purdy. Okay. And Philly's running attack it's not McCaffrey but they can run they can run including the quarterback that's the thing Jalen Hurts as we saw in the matchup with the Vikings can run and then their receivers A.J. Brown the health of Debo Samuel being a question gives them an advantage too so but I disagree with you about wanting Dallas the most of those three teams I would want San Francisco because of Brock oh, Purdy crazy. oh yeah oh, you're yeah. crazy Marshall because of oh, Brock my. Purdy because of Micah Parsons and because of because of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line, I, I think physic physically up front, we're not we're more finesse than physically physical. And I think you saw that game on both sides of the ball. Granted, it was coming off the Buffalo game, and there was clearly a hangover there. But uh, but I'd rather see San Francisco, assuming both are at home. Now, if it's on the road, then I'd rather see Dallas. But I'd. I'd rather see San Francisco than Dallas by a hair, not, not, not by a lot, but I don't want to see Dallas. Insane. Insane. (laughs) Well, number one, Kyle Shanahan far and away blows those other two coaches out of the water. And I don't care that Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan is a huge difference maker. He does. I can't say he blows Nick Sariani out of the water. We haven't seen enough of Sariani. No, 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 no. No, no. Obviously track record wise. Yeah. But we haven't seen Sirianni in the postseason. So, but that's my point. We can't say that. We can't say that for sure. We can't say that for sure. So, yeah, I just, he's a very good coach, though. I agree. I agree. And they, and they beat Green Bay in Lambeau last year in a game not a lot of people give him a shot at. So, they've got a better track record in the playoffs as of late, especially under the current regimes. You're right. We haven't seen Sirianni, but that's kind of the point. Number one, number two, they still have, uh, I think, are best in the trenches on both sides of the ball, um, which always translates well into playoff time. I, they, yes, the quarterback situation is questionable, but for God's sake, they went to the Super Bowl, you know, with Jimmy G. It was, it was, yeah. a, it, it, you might as well plug Brock and, and almost Brock another one. G the same thing. They almost yeah. beat the Rams. Yeah, a hundred percent. To me, it's it's. Uh, uh, going at Philly is the difference, but to me, the most the most complete team, and we're seeing it over the last month, is San Francisco. Yeah, it, it can be certainly argued. 
Um, so we'll see. I hope we get that too. Stay at home, and uh, and we'll do that. So um, last thing, we don't have time to talk twins. We're, we'll do this next week. The that sounds good. I, and maybe my anger over not signing Carlos Correa will subside, but unlikely. Uh, because that whole situation was a complete disaster, um, the way it was handled. But we I'll, do. I'll just say, yeah. Before I'll just say, this can be the preview. Fire the front office right now. That's my take. But anyway, <laughs> go, we'll get into it next time. Um, we will. Last thing, and I wanted to get into this earlier, but forgot. Had it written down. But Duke Shelley. Kudos to this guy. I mean, this guy undrafted plucked from the bears came and was a slot corner from the bear with the bears, which is a very tough position to learn. Um, if you haven't listened to his interview with Paul Allen on nine to noon uh, at KFAN earlier this week, highly recommend you podcasting that interview. Uh, Duke is a, a very likable guy. Um, he explains how he got the nickname Duke. Um, so it's really good, but big, big development because Cam Dantzler was active last week, but apparently he was ill. He was ill, so he, he wasn't going to play unless there was an emergency. Um, he is not playing in the game against the Giants. That will happen in a couple hours from when we're recording this. He's not playing. Um, but if Duke Shelley can lock down that other corner spot opposite Patrick Peterson, that is huge. That is huge for this defense because Peterson's been rock solid, the, the future Hall of Famer on the other side. And they have gone through Cam Dantzler and Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth and all have had injury issues. A Caleb might come back near the end of the year. I like his potential with those long arms. Really talented. But Duke Shelley right now, you can't take him off the field. The hits he was putting nope. on Pittman, the swagger he plays with. He made the huge play against Buffalo in the end zone against Dawson Knox when they threw him in there for Cam Dantzler. Um, he's playing very good football right now. And it's an awesome story. Totally final, agree. Final thing, final thing, and we'll see this. There were some defensive adjustments by Ed Donatel. More press man coverage. More blitzing by Harrison Smith. Eric Kendricks gets his first sack of the year. And that defense, you have to give it. People were all over Ed Donatel. A lot of people wanted him fired, which I thought was a little much at this point in the year. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you do at this point in the year? But I'll say this. That defense last week, you, you think, oh, 33 points. Well, there was a special teams and a defensive touchdown allowed in there. The defense allowed one touchdown to Indianapolis in the game and five field goals. And, by the way, twice Kevin O'Connell, I think, in ill-advised fashion, went for it on fourth down in his own territory, once a fake punt and once a fourth and one from deep in his own territory in the first quarter when it was 17 to nothing. Vikings 0 for 2 in those situations give Indy a short field, right in field goal range immediately. So of those five field goals, three of them, or, or uh, two of them rather, they were already in field goal range when they got the ball. So the defense played much better. There's no question. I know they were facing a, a pretty putrid offense, but there was progress made and there was more press man coverage, which allowed the rush to get home. And Daniil Hunter had one of his best games of the season with a sack and a half. So encouraging moving forward, I think. Yeah, uh, we need a larger uh, sample size before we, we can declare anything. But um, 
you hope that they are making some adjustments because what they were doing was not working. Pure and simple. Like that's yeah. they they need to get more pressure. They need to um, you know get back to not giving up touchdowns in the red zone like they have done so well this year. Uh, they just they need to be able to get you know teams off the field. Uh, rather than letting them just drive down and eat up a chunk of time, you know, so much time because that takes away offensive momentum. Um, Second half, they locked them down. They locked them down. They gave up some rushing yards, but, but, uh, you know, overall the rush D has been the least of their problems. So they locked them down. We'll see how they do against Saquon. And then, of course, uh, Rodgers next week in Lambeau. Yep. And they got it. The team's got to get healthy, and it will be interesting to see how uh, O'Connell manages that over the next couple of weeks. With a playoff spot locked up, yes. how important is I'd say Zadarius Smith, that last Chicago game, shouldn't be playing, regardless of what's on the line. Zadarius Smith, give him a week off before the postseason. You need that thoroughbred ready to rumble in the postseason. He's the most important player on the D. I, I think in that last game, regardless of what's on the line, uh, Zadarius and Delvin, for sure, should not play. Um, yeah. I, I think that if you need some extra weeks to get um, Darisaw healthy uh, completely or, you know, some of these other guys that have had, you know, lots of injuries throughout the season, go ahead and do that because getting yep. healthy is the key for this team for the playoffs because they, they need that because they've shown that when they've had to go to the number two, number three guy, unless it's someone like Duke Shelley that's been able to step up, that's where, especially on the offensive line, uh, like, that's where this team has holes. We knew that the they they've done Schlopman's played them, pretty the, well in in Bradbury's absence. Uh, I mean, he's been fine. He, he hasn't been a liability, I don't think. But I, I want Bradbury back. I, It'd be nice to get Bradbury back. I, who would have thought that we'd say be clamoring for Garrett Bradbury to come? He's back? had a nice. Because year. I think it's a night and day. He's had a, a night and day difference. Yeah, he's had he's had a really nice year. Hopefully, his back is okay. That's a tough injury for an offensive lineman. But that's all the time we have today. Twins talk next week as well as a uh, a look ahead to the Vikings and the Packers at Lambeau Field. But for now, the Vikings are NFC North champs. Merry Christmas uh, to you. Happy Hanukkah. And uh, whatever you're celebrating, um, have a great uh, holiday season and uh, new year. And we'll talk to you next week. See ya.